The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. In a moment, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 22, if you want to be turning there. This is our very last sermon in our mini-series this summer uh, that we've been calling Breathing Room, uh, How to Get Margin in Our Everyday Lives. And so we've looked about how to get margin in our schedules, how to get margin in our budget. We talked about how to get margin in our health. And today I want to speak on this subject of getting margin in our relationships. Now, we've been teaching about this because the reality is life is better with breathing room. How many of you would testify to the fact that when, when you have more income and more finances than you have bills, and you've got some margin financially, how many of you recognize life's a little better during that season? Would you, would you agree with that statement? I think most of us would. How many of you would say, when I have a little bit more time than I have scheduled commitments, and I have some margin, some breathing room, it just, life's a little bit easier to handle. How many of you would agree with that? I think most of us would say, yes, when there is margin, life is just a little bit better. And so we've been defining margin as the space between our current pace and our limits. All of us have limits. We have limits with our time. We have limits uh, financially. We have limits in our energy and in our health. And if we're not careful, if, we, if, if our pace financially or if our pace with our schedule is too intense, what will happen is we will run out of margin. We will run out of breathing room in our lives. And, and as we've been saying, an unhealthy pace, whether it's financially, whether it's in our schedule, whether it's with our health, kind of pushing it to the limits, where we have an unhealthy pace, it always leads to an unhealthy place. And it's sad to me that there are many even Christians who have ended up in some very unhealthy places in their lives financially. They've ended up in some very unhealthy places in their relationships and some unhealthy places in their schedule because they weren't wise enough to create some margin in their everyday lives. And so we want to talk a little bit about this subject of breathing room or margin in our relationships. If you're visiting with us today, we're so glad to have you here uh, inside your visitor guide, guest guide that you should have received on your way in. There's a little connection card that you can use. We'd love to know a little bit more about you and, and send you some information about upcoming events. So you can fill that out and later in the service, you'll have an opportunity to turn that in. Uh, but for the rest of us here, I want you to grab your Bibles here and let's uh, take a moment to stand as we read from Matthew chapter number 22. And we're going to begin in verse number 36. I'll read down through verse number 40. Here's what the Word of God says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 22. Jesus said unto him, uh, let's start 36. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37. Jesus said unto him, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, and with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now, as we are talking about relationships, it is impossible to have successful horizontal relationships with people around us if our vertical relationship with God is not in its proper place and its proper priority. And so here Jesus talks first about this vertical relationship with God. But then he, he doesn't stop there. Notice the next verse. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so we're going to take some time today to talk about how to create breathing room that can allow us to love our neighbors in a way that would honor 
Christ. So thank you, and you may be seated. Relationships thrive on breathing room. We talked about it a moment ago. The reality is, when we are maxing out our schedule, it's really hard, maybe at work, and we're just pushing overtime, and, and even when we come home, we're focused on work. When we are pushing our schedule to the max, it affects our relationships at home. The reality is this, relationships need breathing room, they thrive on breathing room, and when they don't have breathing room, our relationships often suffer. Uh, the reality is when we allow maybe things in our budget and our finances or in our schedule to get to the max and there's no breathing room and there's no margin, that can affect our relationship with children and how much time we have to interact with them and, and to cultivate healthy relationships with them. When there's no breathing room in our lives, we literally choke the life, choke the life out of our God-given relationships. And, and so this is why we're talking about margin. This is why we're talking about breathing room in our everyday relationships, all right? Um, I think we've all been here before. As individuals, we have roles, okay? Maybe you, you have a role at your workplace. Uh, some of you have the role uh, as a parent. You're a uh, father. You're a mother. Some of you have a role uh, as a parent um, or as a spouse, I should say. And you have a husband. You have a wife. You have these roles. And each one of these roles that you have come with a certain level of responsibilities. All right? How many of you are aware that every role, whether it's at work or at home, those roles have responsibilities that go with them? All right? How many of you understand what we're talking about? Now, here's what often happens. In our lives, we can come to a place where we take those responsibilities, those responsibilities that come with the role that we have, and if we're not careful, we can start to pass them off to other people in our life. So let me illustrate this for a moment. I'm going to ask my wife Jenny to make her way to the stage real quick. And uh, I'm, how many of you feel blessed to be married, all right? Uh, this month, Jenny and I will have known each other for 15 years. Later on this year, we will be celebrating our 13th year anniversary, and I feel so blessed. I feel so uh, uh, honored just to be her husband. But here's what I'll say. Sometimes in life, all right, sometimes in life, here's what we can do. We have these responsibilities, all right, that we have in life, and each of our roles as a husband, as a father, each of our roles come with a responsibility, a weight, we could say, all right? How many of you realize this, all right? It's not rocket scientists. And so as a dad, as a husband, I have these responsibilities that I have to hold on to, these weights that I'm responsible for. Now, what can happen is when we run out of margin in our lives, say uh, with work, man, we're doing the overtime and we're pushing, there's a lot of expectations, and so we're leaning into work. Sometimes what can end up happening is now my role at home, now all of a sudden I don't have the margin it takes to be responsible for my weight, for my responsibility. And so here's sometimes what can happen. We can come to a place where we're like, okay, um, hey, honey, I've got to be at work. There's a lot of things I've got to take care of. And so here, would you just mind holding on to my responsibilities as a husband, my responsibilities as a dad, and, and I'm just going to, I'm going to keep kind of going here and leaning into this, all right? And so how many of you understand that this happens in life? You know, this, this is a kind of a normal thing, because here's what we tend to think. We tend to think, oh, if I'm not fulfilling my responsibilities in marriage, my responsibilities as a parent, those responsibilities just go away. That's not what happens. If you are not fulfilling your responsibilities, that responsibility didn't go away. It just got passed on to somebody else. 
If you're not fulfilling your responsibility as a parent or as a husband or uh, as a spouse or as a church member, that responsibility doesn't go away. That responsibility gets transferred. And somebody else is carrying the weight of your responsibilities. And so here's what can happen after a while. Well, hey, thanks for taking care of the responsibilities there as a, as a husband. But you know what? I've got to even spend more time here. And there's even more I've got to give to this. And so, um, hey, as a, as a, as a father, as a respons- I've got some responsibilities as a father. Uh, honey, do you mind just carrying those as well, all right? And uh, we're, we're good here. Because I'm going I'm to keep, i got stuff at work and church. And there's expectations. And after all, you know, I'm doing God's work, you know. And, you know, one of these types of things. And, and I know this is not just a pastor thing. How many of you all can kind of understand what? we're talking about a little bit we've got roles those roles come with responsibilities but when we when we lean too heavily into one there are other responsibilities that are no longer happening Uh, we did this in the first service and between services jenny said don't make me hold those so long they're getting heavy you know so now i'm gonna make you hold them longer (laughs) you know no i'm just i'm just teasing all right here's here's my point my point is this the roles of your life have responsibilities and when you're not fulfilling your roles you're passing them off here to somebody else. And, and here's what we do. We do things like this. Oh, you're doing awesome, honey. This is great. Keep it up. Just keep going. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm got this thing going here, and you just keep this up, and, and it'll be awesome, and, and things. And she's already struggling, so I'm going to help her out here. All right, you can sit down. How many of you got the gist of what we were trying to talk about, though, a little bit there? Now, here, here's the point. How do we know, how do we know when we're doing this in our relationships? How do we know? Let me give you a couple of, of things to look for to know if this is happening. If you're doing this as a wife, how do you know if you're doing this as a mom? How do you know if you're doing this as a husband, as a, as a parent, as you're, if you're doing this as an employee, or if you're doing this as a church member? Here's, here's some of the ways you might know. Uh, you're constantly repeating promises to do better. Honey, I've got this overtime. I, I've got to do this. You, you know this is, what, this is what I'm passionate about. You know this is what I've got to get myself to. And, and, but I promise, next week, I promise, next month, I promise, next year, it's going to get better. If you're constantly doing that, it's a good sign that somebody else is holding the weight of your responsibility. How do you know if if this is something you're doing? Number two, you're chronically absent from important events. Chronically absent from important events. Like, Like you're never there for a kid's baseball game, ever. It's been a year since you've taken your wife out on a date. Like, you haven't been to communion at church for three years. Like, at work, they're just never able to count on you for certain things. Why? You're like chronically absent for important events in the God-given roles in your life. You're just, it's, it's a chronic thing. It's not just something that happens sporadically. Like, it's chronic and it's constant. Here's another way you might know. You're continually pointing to the future to make up for the past. As soon as I get this next promotion, we're going on that vacation. As soon as we, we, make a, we save a little bit more money, then I'll, then I'll take you on that little trip. Son, as, as soon as daddy gets through this, then I'll, I'll finally make it to one of your games. You know? When we just get through this season of baseball, we'll be back in church. And, and we're constantly pointing to the future... To make up for the past. 
Let me ask you this. Is this something that happens? Think about it. Eventually, the people who are holding the weight of your responsibility, eventually they're going to become overwhelmed and overcome with emotional and even physical exhaustion. And the rock drops. Let me say this, when the rock drops, it isn't pretty. When when the rock drops in your marriage, it's often hard to put back the pieces together again. When the rocks drop in your parenting, children often become disillusioned, disenchanted, and emotionally distant. When the rock drops in your church family and you've asked other people in the church to carry your responsibilities, the weight of your responsibilities for so long, eventually other people become disillusioned by the things of the Lord. You cause them to question, what, I don't even know, if, are Christians even real? When the rock drops, things get, things get ugly. And, and, and here's how it is. I mean, maybe, maybe some of you husbands have been here before. You're like, well, I was just talking to my wife, and, and all I said was, fill in the blank. That's all, that's all I said, and then she just went, oh, like, what in the world? And Maybe a wife says, I don't even understand why he's responding. Like, all I did was... You see, the point wasn't what you said. The point wasn't what you did. It's that those things became symbolic for how long you've allowed that person to carry the weight of your responsibilities for you. And that one thing became symbolic. That one phrase, that one act became symbolic for a lifetime of decisions. To allow less important things to squeeze out the margin in your life to where you no longer have the time nor the energy to do those things that God has called and challenged you to do. When the rock drops, marriages fall apart, kids' hearts grow distant, and sometimes, sometimes, there's even irreparable damage. So why don't we put emphasis on relationships? Here's one of the reasons. When we're at work, like we we know when we've made progress at work. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You check things off your list. You get projects done. There's a real sense of progress at work. But when you go home, maybe it's just me. When you go home, it's really hard to know if you're making any progress with your kids. (laughs) <laughs> you feel like this. Like you, you lean into them and you're spending time and you're wondering, I don't, man, does, is this even helping? <laughs> it's hard to see. It's hard to gauge progress. Um, at work, when you work harder and you do overtime and you do better, you make more money. You go home and, and work more, you don't get any more money for it. <laughs> you just, 
It is, ah, just more. Man, at work, it's, it's like, man, I get promotions and pat on the back and awards. When, like when you go to, when you go to church, you, you, it's not like you get promotions and all this pat on the back and stuff. When you're at home, you're just at home. And when you're at church, you're just at church. When you're involved in relationships, it's just that. It's just relationships. You see, when good things, good things, begin to compete with the essential things, good things, competing with essential things like family and marriage and church, but good things like hobbies and fitness and sports and work, when good things compete with essential things, we begin to cheat what is most important for that which is secondary. And that's when the problems begin to happen you following what we're talking about here relationships so whether we're talking about work or family or church or hobbies or fitness or sports housekeeping or socializing because we only have 24 hours in the day we simply can't fit everything in you can't fit it all in i can't fit it all in we are not supermen and superwomen the reality is we can't do everything we want to do and what we choose to cheat because every one of us myself included we all cheat something and what you choose to cheat reveals your values Man, you regularly have time for sports, you regularly have time for your hobbies, you regularly have time for work, but every once in a while you make a spouse, you know, hold your, the weight of your responsibilities, your children hold the weight of your responsibilities, but it never seems like, man, work, work never gets put on the back burner. Your hobby never gets put on the back burner. You see, whatever you choose to cheat reveals what your true values actually are. We'll never have enough time to attain our ideal career productivity, our ideal physical fitness, our ideal financial goals, our our ideal devotion to hobbies. We're never going to be able to do all of those things. Nobody can. So you have to choose. Which ones are you going to excel in and which ones are you going to have to cheat on a little bit? The issue isn't whether or not you're going to cheat. The issue is where are you going to cheat, how are you going to cheat, and and how do you go about it? Because everybody cheats something. Either you'll cheat, you know, your fitness, you'll cheat your children, you'll cheat your church, you'll cheat work. Not everything in your life will get all of your attention. So the real question is learning how to cheat biblically. I, I've seen situations where children come into a family and the mother will spend so much time and so much energy and so much focus on those children. Good thing, not a bad thing. To the degree that their role as a spouse or as a wife gets handed off to a husband and a husband has to stand there carrying the weight of a wife's weight of responsibility in that marriage and he's got to hold that for a while, which in certain seasons is understandable. But I've seen marriages fall apart because proper balance hasn't been given to both. 
I've seen men who have, who have ruined their family and relationship with children in their pursuit of climbing the corporate ladder, getting more promotions and more raises, and allowing cheating on their children, never having time to make it to a game, never there for an important event, never time to take a spouse on a date, and in their quest to give their time and their energy to their careers, lost their families in the process. You will cheat something or someone. The question is, how are you going about it? Cheating, let's define it within this context, okay? So when I talk about cheating today, this is what I'm referring to. It's the time, effort, energy you take away from one sphere of life in order to pour it into another sphere of life. We are all finite human beings. Personally, there's a part of me that's like, well, let's ne- let's, none of us, let's none of us go to work. <laughs> let's spend all day with our kids. That'd be awesome. How many of you realize your kids kind of want you to go to work because they want to eat? <laughs> okay. It's impractical in some instances. There's a balance that has to take place. There are moments where you have to cheat. There are times where you have to go to work. There are times where you need to leave work and go home. There are times where you need to leave home and go to church. There are roles, and each role has responsibilities. I wonder sometimes. I wonder often if if we had the courage to trust God with our roles. I wonder what he would do if we chose to cheat wisely and biblically. I wonder what he would be able to do with those areas that were like, I, I want to give 100 hours or whatever to work. I really do. I want, I want that, but I also want a family, and I want, I want, to, I want to be the church member and the parent, and, the, and you, you want to experience this balance. I wonder what God could do with a life that was yielded and surrendered to him and just simply allowing the Holy Spirit of God to lead them every step of the way when it comes to relational margin. So here's what I'd like to do today. I'd like to give you some biblical principles on how to cheat. Every one of you will be cheating something over the next month. You will not spend all of your time with your spouse. You will not spend all of your time with children. You will not spend all of your time at work. You will make choices continually to, for a time, carry your the weight of your responsibility at work, and then you're going to carry the weight of your responsibility as a parent, you're going to have to carry the weight of your responsibility as a spouse and as a church member, and and you're going to constantly, by the Spirit's leading, have to make choices on what you're going to focus on, but what you're not going to focus on, because you're finite. So let me give you some thoughts on how to do this in a wise and biblical way. If you want to jot these down, I hope they help. Number one, first of all, decide what it is you're going to cheat in advance. Decide what it is you're going to cheat in advance. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first. There's a, there's a sense of priority in this passage. Seek first the kingdom of God. Proverbs chapter number 16, verse 3 says this. Commit thy works unto the Lord. The idea of this is before you do something, take that which you're going to do and surrender it to the sovereignty of God. Be intentional about what you're going to do. 
Be aware of that which you're going to do. It's sad to see Christians who are cheating something important and they don't even know they're doing it. It's sad to see a husband who really does want the best for his family, really does want to provide for his children, really does want to have a good testimony at work, and in their pursuit to have a good testimony and to provide for their family, unintentionally, not even realizing it, they've left their kids and their spouse at home carrying the weight of their responsibilities in the household. And not just for a day or two, but for weeks and months at a time. And if we're not careful, we even add more to it. Hey, I'll get to that baseball game maybe next year. I'll take you on a day. Hey, man, for our 20th anniversary, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go to Hawaii. It's going to be awesome, you know? When we're 80 years old, I promise you, we're going to have time to, you know, spend together. It's, and it's this type of weight that we make other people begin to carry because we've not decided on a regular basis what we're going to cheat. A wise Christian knows in advance, you know what? I feel like the Spirit of God is leading me to not take this overtime. I know I won't have as much money, but I'm willing to say, okay, how can we step back in our financial commitments at home so I don't need as much money so I can leverage that time that I would have been spending in overtime playing with my children. See, you have to decide in advance what you're going to cheat because you will cheat something. You won't spend all of your time with your spouse, your children, or at your workplace. You're going to split it up. And it's a wise person who decides what they're going to cheat. I, I say it this way. It's a wise person who draws a line in the sand. Don't let this just happen to you. Be intentional. Number two, once you've decided what you're going to cheat and when, communicate your boundaries, number two. Communicate your boundaries. There might be a time where the Holy Spirit leads you. The boss comes and says, I need you to take a quick trip. I need you to be gone for these two days. I need you to be away. And you pray about it, and you really feel like that's, the Lord wants me to do this. This is what the Spirit's calling me to do. And, and you will realize for those couple of days, you're going to be putting more weight of responsibility that you should have been taking at home, and now your spouse is going to have to carry it. But as you guys pray about it, you feel like it's of the Lord. And so, intentionally, with the Spirit's leading, you choose to cheat for a moment on your family. That's kind of, in this context, that's what you're doing. It's not always bad. We have to make these choices. But when those choices must be made, we must communicate highly, effectively. Proverbs chapter number 16, verse 23. The heart of the wise teacheth with his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. There's this idea of communicating here to help other people understand the process of what's going on. Let me give you a couple of thoughts when it comes to communication within the context here of boundaries. Number one, our communication, first of all, must be clear. When we're sharing our boundaries, whether it be to a boss, sharing our boundaries with a spouse. Honestly, I have met spouses who don't want their spouses to go to work. And you might need to say, you know what, honey, I got to go to work. (laughs) 
It's just something that's got to happen. Or vice versa. It might be that a spouse needs to say to this spouse, you've been at work 85 hours this week. We've got to create some margin over here. It can go both ways. But when we communicate, number one, the communication needs to be vitally clear. How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation where you thought you had communicated something to somebody, and then a couple weeks down the road, you realize they had no clue what you were talking about, and you just kind of got broadsided? You're like, I, I told you this. Why, what happened? You, how many of you experienced this in your marriage or maybe at work or something? I said it. And they're like, ah, I, don't, I never got that. Or how many of you have been on the other side of it? Somebody came to you and was like, well, I told you three weeks ago. Why didn't you know? And you're like, I, man, are, are you sure? Was, did you clearly communicate? How many of you have ever been in the middle of a communication breakdown? <laughs> Why? Communication wasn't clear. Clear communication is, okay, here's what I'm saying. Can you repeat it back to me so we're on the same page? And echo back communication can be a, a good tool to use to make sure you're communicating some of these things effectively. Okay, I'm saying this, but this is so important. I want to I hear what you thought I said. I had to do this a couple days ago. I was on the phone with a, a friend. We were doing some, okay, I'm saying this. And I said, what, what does it sound like I'm saying to you? And he started repeating it. And I was like, oh, no, that's not actually what I was saying. Let me repeat it again. Because it was important, and I needed to make sure we were on the same page. It needs to be clear. Number two, when we're communicating regarding boundaries, number two, it needs to be compassionate. When you're communicating to your boss some of your boundaries, you need to understand that you're kind of leaving them in a hole a little bit. And there needs to be some empathy and some compassion when it comes to these things. Understanding the position you're putting them in. When it comes and you've got to come home and tell your spouse, hey, I'm going to be gone, you need to communicate that compassionately because the reality is, you're leaving them with the weight of your responsibility. And, and, and as you're walking through this, you need, to co- you need to communicate compassionately through this. Number three, you need to be clear. You need compassion. Number three, you need to communicate your boundaries collaboratively. You say, what do you mean by that, collaboratively? Maybe the best way to approach a conversation like this is not, hey, honey, I'm going to be gone for the next three days. Hope that's all right with you. We'll see you and everything, you know, to go for that. But uh, maybe the approach would be, um, hey, there's this opportunity at work. I really kind of feel like this is something I need to be doing. Um, but is there, is there some way we could collaborate about this? Is there some uh, arrangement we can make to really make it work, yes, for work, but it also works for our family and it works for our marriage? And, and, what, what are, you know, and maybe there's a third alternative that you hadn't thought of where you could do what needed to be done at work, but you can also uh, take care of your responsibilities at home and in the marriage. And so uh, communicating collaboratively is being wise about how you're going about this process, looking for strategic third alternatives. And it's, it's a posture of the heart in which you enter into conversations. Or, or maybe or vice versa, you need to go to your boss and say, I know for the last six months I've been putting in 20 extra hours a week and I, I know I've been doing it, but I just, I can't do it anymore. I'll, I'll give you the 45 hours. I, I'll work hard, but I just, I need to start creating some margin for at home. When you say that to a boss, you need to understand, wait a second, you're going to put them in a 
difficult position. And so you want to talk collaboratively. How, how can we continue to do what, what needs to be done here? But maybe there's a third alternative about how I can do it in a wiser way or a smarter way. Or, and, and just be very, very empathetic and compassionate and collaborative as you're having those conversations, as you're communicating your boundaries. My friend, it's not fair, or I should say it this way, it isn't fair to not communicate these things, especially if you've already committed to them. Don't just one day not fulfill what everybody around you thinks you're committed to fulfill. If there's something that's changing in your heart, if there's some values, if there's something that's... Then, then it's your responsibility to start to communicate those things. It's your responsibility to start make yourself vulnerable enough to say, this is kind of, this is, this is, you know, this is what needs to happen and this is kind of what I'm feeling. That's on your shoulders to communicate to your boss to your family, to your kid. If you're, you're, you're going to miss a, a game and it's like six games or seven, it's kind of your responsibility to have those conversations and work, work through it a little bit together. Don't just leave people hanging. Communicate your boundaries. Lastly, accept the ramifications. Accept the ramifications. Every time you cheat something in your life, and all of us have to do it, there will always be ramifications. You're not going to cheat a little bit at work where you were working 70 hours a week and you pull back to 45, and not everything's going to stay the same. There are going to be ramifications to that. Don't, don't go thinking, well, I can... I can go from working 70 hours and I'm going to start working, you know, 40 hours and all of a sudden everything's going to stay the same. I'm going to tell you what, it probably isn't going to stay the same. Your pay may decrease. You might not get that promotion. There will be ramifications. And so as you're being strategic about, you know, drawing a line in the sand, deciding what you're going to cheat, communicating those boundaries... You have, to be, you have to be kind of big enough to recognize there will be ramifications to that. Yeah, going on that three-day trip and doing that, you know, with the boss and, and getting that deal, man, that might help you at work, but just know there might be ramifications at home about it, and that's just the reality. And see, here's what we want. We want our cake, and we want to eat it too. <laughs> Life doesn't work that way. You have to make hard choices. When it comes to church, as a church member, as a covenant member, there is responsibilities to your role as a church member. It is not, it is not a wise thing to just one day all of a sudden decide, I'm not going to fulfill my roles as a church member and not communicate it and not try to work through it. Just leave your church family in a lurch. Here's, here's what happens in a lot of churches, you know. One person, they commit to covenant church membership and, okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I've got my role as a church member and I've got responsibilities because if you're a church member, you have responsibilities. You signed up for them. The Bible speaks of them. You have responsibilities. Here's what happens. All of a sudden, well, I've got a lot of sports going on. I've got this stuff at work. And all of a sudden what happens is over time, we were like, okay, I can't really fulfill my responsibilities. So somebody else is going to have to start paying for the bills. And somebody else is going to have to start serving this ministry. And then all of a sudden there's somebody else over here. And, you know, they're trying to carry somebody else's responsibilities that really is supposed to be all of our responsibilities as part of the church family. And that's why you get statistics like I've seen where in many churches... 10% of the people are doing 90% of the work. 
20% of the people are giving 80% of the funds. Because there's people who have taken on responsibilities, they want the perks that come along with it, but they, at, at some time, something happens at work, and something happens in their family, and all of a sudden they start giving off. And then in a lot of these churches, you've got these, you know, 20, 30 people who are carrying everybody else's responsibilities at church, and they're trying to give enough to make up for those people who are not giving, and serve enough to make up for these people who are not serving, and, and, and all these things. And, and there's these people who are dying at their church, because everybody else is perfectly fine with giving their role, the responsibility, the weight of their role as a church member to that one person who has a servant's heart wanting to do everything they can and give everything they can, and churches become very unhealthy. It's not the way a church was designed to work. It's not the way a family was designed to work. It's not the way a workplace was designed to work. And so here's what we've got to do. We've got to decide what it is and when we're going to cheat. We've got to decide, communicate our boundaries communicate clearly to communicate here collaboratively and then when we do cheat something recognize there will be consequences there will be ramifications there's no such thing as no ramifications and you know what you're going to have to do this because every one of us have to cheat things at certain seasons in our lives and in those moments where you have to kind of Cheat on your family because you really got this thing that you feel like God wants you to work. Don't get mad at God because now all of a sudden, you know, at home, it's not quite like it was before. There are ramifications, and this is not, well, wait a second, but if I'm doing God's will, he'll, he'll give me my promotion, and he'll make this work out and make all these things work out. I'm saying this, he'll take care of you, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to become the top employee. I, I'm going to just say this. If there's a guy at your workplace and he's, he's cheating on his family to spend extra time and he's not giving any time to this thing or those other, you know, he, he's skipping out on church and just everything's work, work, work. A lot of times in a lot of workplaces, your bosses are going to like that person. They're going to like him a lot. And you know what? That person will probably get the raise. And you know what? You don't need to be getting all bitter like, I don't understand why I didn't get the raise. There are ramifications to living a balanced life. You might not get all the promotions, and you might not make the most money, but you know what? You can live a balanced life, and that's pretty awesome. You can actually enjoy the relationships God's given you. And that's, at the end of the day, what it's about, not just climbing the corporate ladder, being the highest on the totem pole, and making the most money. Now, if, you, if God blesses you with this while you're balancing things properly and cheating on things in their proper place and God and his goodness does it, praise God for it. But I'm going to say this. Eventually, there will be moments where you will not get your cake and get to eat it too. You've got to accept the ramifications. This is why Proverbs 3 verse 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Just trust God with it. Just trust him. You can trust the Lord. When you prioritize your life in a biblical manner, someone will always be disappointed. Mark it down. Every time you 
prioritize your life in a biblical manner. You get family where it's supposed to be and you're, you're balancing that and you get work where it's supposed to be and, and you make sure you're prioritizing your relationship with the Lord and you're prioritizing church life and you're, and you're balancing these things and you're living this balanced life. See, we get the idea if I'm doing what God wants me to do and I'm balancing all this perfect, everybody's going to be okay with me and I'm going to tell you this, they're not going to be. You will, you will disappoint a whole lot of people doing this life. And accept it. Accept that if you live a spirit-filled, balanced life, you will disappoint a lot of people a lot of the times. And it will be okay. Don't go out of your way to try to disappoint people. Don't make it your goal to disappoint people. But understand at times it will happen. And trust the Lord. Follow His Spirit. You go home in time to be able to spend some time with your kids and and create some art, there's going to be moments where you might, disa- you might disappoint somebody at your workplace. Now, hopefully if you've communicated with them in advance, and, and you've talked through, hey, this is going to be coming, but I don't know how, m- that'll minimize some of that. I, I know you'll experience this, I experience this in our, I mean, for, for me personally, we have several services, and a lot of folks who come to church, and, and there are a lot of people who call this place church home that only come once every month or under every two months, and they would look at me as their pastor, and this is their church home, and I, I'm just going to be very real and very honest with you. In order for me to try to balance these things and spend the time with my kids that I'm supposed to spend and be there for my wife in that way and, and fulfill you know these responsibilities as a Christian and as a church member to do all these things, I'm just I'm just here to say there are times that I regularly disappoint people in our church. I don't like to do it. I don't want to do it. I do. And I know I do. And I don't like it. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> but it happens. And it happens quite regularly. And I'm here to say this. If you're going to balance your life in a way that is a spirit-filled way, just mark it down, you're going to disappoint people. Just make sure you're disappointing the right people at the right times. <laughs> It'd be very unwise for me to make sure that nobody at the church is ever disappointed with me and my kids and my family and my wife hate my guts. (laughs) You're going to disappoint people. Don't try to do it. Don't make it your goal, but also don't be afraid of it either if if you're following the Spirit in it. You say, this just sounds really negative. I I don't know if I like this. I'm just, just trying to be real with you. Don't be such a people pleaser that you can't follow the spirit of God because you're afraid of what everybody's going to think of you. Follow the spirit of God. Yes, people will get disappointed. That's between them and the Lord. Maybe if you communicate a little more effectively, that'll help minimize some of that, and I think that's a wise thing to do. Do your best to communicate. Do your best to work things out. But at the end of the day, we've got to trust the Lord. You'll never be happier than your relationships allow you to be. And relationships thrive on breathing room. If you've maxed your budget to the to hilt, if you have maxed work to the hilt, if you have maxed any arena of your life to the hilt, I'm just telling you, there are relationships in your life that are suffering. You'll never be happier than your relationships, and relationships thrive on breathing room. Do you have financial breathing room? Do you have breathing room in your schedule? You have breathing room in your health. Your relationships need them. So here's my question, we'll be done. How can you create more breathing room in your life? How do you create more breathing room for your relationship with your God and and your God-ordained relationships? 
Is there one relationship that is always holding the weight of your responsibilities continually? Like, is your spouse always getting the short end of the stick? Is your kids always getting the short end of the stick? Does your church family always get the short end of the stick in, in every decision? If there's a God-ordained relationship that just never gets prioritized, you're hurting a relationship that God wants to use to cultivate and enrich your life. And so let's allow the Spirit of God to breathe meat, breathing room, breathe margin into our existence. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.